It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. And welcome along uh, to the programme. Hoping we find you all in good form on this Wednesday morning. We have got Sadie and John Paul taking your calls. 1850-333-103. Anything you want to share with us, you can text her WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Already getting uh, texts and calls into the programme. Let me clear some of them straight away. Uh, a listener just sent in a text and just inquiring if the blog on Cameron Blair that you discussed yesterday is available to read. I listened to his friend James McCarthy speak with you yesterday. He was a true friend to Cameron. He was indeed a true true uh, friend. It was one of those one of those interviews that I, I love to do. There's one of those rare moments that you get in radio where just everything seems to just stand still and all you do is listen to one voice and one voice only. And the voice yesterday was certainly James McCarthy talking about his friend uh, Cameron. And I think what touched so many people was James talking about how he and the friendship group spent the day at Cameron's grave last Thursday and what would have been his 21st birthday because they didn't want him to be on his own on his birthday. And I just, I was just so moved by that act of kindness and act of friendship. And I'm sure Cameron's family took great comfort knowing that all of his friends were with him on what would have been a very special day uh, for him. So uh, the blog, it, it and the blog is amazing. The blog is absolutely amazing. And it, it, I, I feel, I came away from the blog feeling that I know Cameron Blair. I actually feel that I've known, that I, I knew that wonderful, wonderful uh, young boy. You can access it on our Facebook page. So if you go to the C103 Facebook page, I've just checked with John Paul and he said, yeah, it's up on our uh, Facebook page. So, uh, certainly have a read of it because it's 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 a gorgeous gorgeous piece um and thank you for whoever sent in that text and thank you I'm told blue skies in Skibbereen happy days and Meg has been on to say the sun is splitting the stones here in Skull well done so can you just push that along send the sun along it'll push away the clouds and let it move on to other parts of Cork so that's good news West Cork this morning waking to blue skies and sunshine long long may it continue and another issue Oh, here's another one coming in with nice blue skies. Where's this? Eleanor, nice blue skies in Clannacailty. Thank you for that. So it looks like West Cork has got the blue skies uh, this morning. There was somebody else wanted me to check something. And I know I had some texts in yesterday and we had a very busy programme yesterday and I didn't get around uh, to it. But there's another WhatsApp in this morning on the same issue about the payments, social welfare payments 
when are they going to be returning to weekly payments? We know at the start of the lockdown, the Department of Social Protection decided to start paying people fortnightly and the idea behind it was in particular it was to stop people going to the post office uh, every week and I know for people who get their money paid into their bank accounts it didn't make any difference to them but they still everybody just all transferred over to bi-monthly rather than weekly and a lot of people don't like the idea of getting their money every two weeks. There are people that budget and live week to week and they like to pick up their money on a Thursday and a Friday and then they work from that Thursday to the following Thursday or that Friday to the following uh, Friday and not everyone is comfortable with being paid uh, once every two weeks. So we've been constantly getting calls and particularly since we've started coming out of lockdown as to when are they going to revert back to the weekly payment. Now we have checked in with the Department of um, Social Protection because I know last week or no it was last month actually they returned the weekly payment for maternity, paternity, adoptive leave um, and parents and health and safety benefits they all reverted back to weekly payments that was back around the middle of May but they are they say the reversion of the other schemes which are paid into the post office and as well into people's banks to weekly payments will be kept under review given the need to maintain social distancing so it's still under review so we don't have a date as to when it will revert back to weekly so for now you still will get paid every two uh, weeks we will keep a close eye on that and if and when it changes we certainly will bring you the news uh, 1850 333 103 and here's, and here's a really uh, text uh, WhatsApp in from a listener see if anybody can help usually people are good at this this is Mara says uh, Patricia I have a small problem that perhaps some of your listeners might be able to help me with a chaffinch is in love with one of my windows in my house. It started a couple of weeks ago when this bird started banging uh, banging into the window repeatedly. He would do it all day long. After a while, I put up newspaper inside the window thinking, ah, he's seeing his reflection or else he thinks it's a mate's reflection. No luck, newspaper didn't work. I started to play loud opera music for three days solid. No luck. I put up plastic bags on the outside of the window. Nope. Sometimes he sits on the window ledge and just tweets all day. Today, he brought a friend with him. Help! The room is my husband's office and he's having some trouble doing work. Many thanks, says Mara. Now, and I know Mara was saying the scheme of things, it's a small problem, but it's really starting to grace this, this chaffinch. And now that the chaffinch has returned with a mate, we've got double the tweeting going on. And the sound, a bird song is lovely and Certainly when we had the really warm weather in lockdown, it was one of the gorgeous things if you slept with the window open at night to wake to the dawn chorus in the morning. And it was something I was really enjoying during the very, very fine uh, weather. But I suppose if you have it constantly all day between the tapping on the window and now the tweeting outside the window. And if you leave the window open, all the poor Mara's husband is hearing is the tweeting sound all day long. Has anybody got a solution? I'm sure there will be people out there that this will have happened to before. And you've done everything that I would have been suggesting you to do. The newspapers, because it usually is a reflection, the plastic on the outside of the window the blaring opera music. He, the Chaffinches obviously enjoyed the opera music because that didn't budge him. Does anybody have a solution? Or does anybody even, could anybody even advise how long that you would expect that to last? I mean, I think if you knew if there was an end game, they'd give it another week and, you know, 
middle of July you'll have gone off somewhere else uh, you might be able to cope with it a little bit better so if anybody can help out uh, Mara or more Mara's husband with the chaffinch that has fallen in love with the window of one of the houses and just and one particular window sill seems to be one area of the house any suggestions please 1850 and a listener has written to us it's always great to get handwritten letters as well you can send your letters to uh, Patricia Messenger C103 Goulds Hill in Mallow Hi Patricia just to say on Father's Day, which was last Sunday, my family gave their dad some scratch cards, which cost in total 30 euro. That's a lot of scratch cards. So when all the scratching was done, guess what? He won four euro. All the cards had were two matching numbers and just one card had three matching numbers with four euro on it. I'd like to know if any other people out there had big wins because I imagine a lot of people on Father's Day may have opened up a card and received some scratch cards. But out of 30 euro worth of cards to only have one win... I mean, now I don't know if they were one euro cards, that would have been 30 cards the man was scratching, but even say they were two euro cards. So out of 15 cards to only have one win, I thought it was one in four. One in three, one in four. And I know since the new consortium took over scratch cards, we every now and again would hear from people saying, and has anybody else noticed, that you don't win as often as you used to do many years ago and are other people noticing that and you will have people who do scratch cards every single week without fail. I have to put my hand up and say I'm not that type. I don't regularly buy scratch cards. I do like to give scratch cards as presents. If I'm posting a card to someone I I have this thing about opening up a card and something falling out of it. I always think it's a nice thing to do. And I've given scratch cards and I rarely hear from people who I've given scratch cards to to say that they've won, you know, any big amount or that they've won anything at all. And it's quite frustrating if you've got that many cards, 30 euro worth of cards to only win four doesn't seem like a lot. So did anybody else get, particularly last Sunday, for Father's Day or if you had a birthday or there was an anniversary or something and you got you know more than one or two scratch cards but you got a big amount of scratch cards and how much did you actually win let us know 1850 John Paul and Sadie taking your calls you can also text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 and thank you for people giving us weather updates the sun is shining in Whelan so parts of North Cork do have the sun shining. But Sandy said, rain. No, run is splitting the rocks. I think run is meant to be sun, is it, Sandy? Sun splitting the rocks in Bantry. Certainly a lot of people saying at West Cork, the place to uh, be. And we are in summer and we are, people's thoughts are turning to holidays. And with COVID-19, nobody knows if we'll be going anywhere this this year. And the government is now coming under intense pressure to reduce the social distancing rules for airports. The airport authorities want it reduced to one metre. Uh, it comes as the state-appointed task force warning Ireland is at risk of being set adrift if it doesn't lift restrictions on airline passengers. Now, there's a, there's a cabinet meeting on non-essential air travel. I think that meeting's happening tomorrow. And it's ahead of that meeting, it's emerged that the Dublin Airport Authority, the DAA, are warning people will face a extended and very complex 
queues if the two metre rule is not reduced, particularly at airports. So they've made a submission to the government's aviation recovery task force. Now remember the DAA, they don't just manage Dublin Airport, they also look after us here in uh, Cork. They say that queues will go beyond the terminals if the social distancing restrictions are not reduced. They say the continued implementation of the two metre social distancing rules will create very significant challenges for the sector and it'll become more challenging as society continues to reopen over the coming weeks and months. Now the authority also say passengers will be urged to wear face coverings. They have installed almost 1,000 hand sanitising stations between Cork and Dublin. They also have 760 protective screens at points where travellers engage with staff. So they've really done everything that they can at the airports to make sure that if you do need to go or people come into this country, it is going to be safe. Yesterday, the DAA said they will consider making face coverings mandatory if there isn't a huge level of compliance among passengers. The DAA's submission informed the Aviation Task Force's interim report, which is called for a ban on non-essential travel. They also want the two-week quarantine for passengers arriving into Ireland to be lifted. They want it lifted by next Wednesday. The report the warns that Ireland is significantly behind other EU countries in lifting restrictions on air passenger travel, despite having equivalent or even better success in this country than other countries that have had when it comes to COVID-19. And obviously the move would clear the way for foreign summer holidays and would also be a major boost to the Irish tourism industry. And I can see the point that we will be left a little bit adrift because certainly if you look across Europe, other countries have opened up. Spain, for example, they've started to open up for visitors. And I saw the King and Queen of Spain, they were photographed on the Canary Islands. They took a trip to the Canary Islands to try and encourage people to go to the uh, Canary Islands. Now, I know Leo Varadkar was speaking on prime time last night. He sounded a very cautious approach to opening up travel. He said, I think we need to be very careful about this. He, now, he, he admits that he hasn't seen the report yet that has been submitted to the task force. He said, we've got our case load of the virus down so low now that there is a real risk of re-importing it from countries where the virus is still very prevalent. He said if we are going to open up air travel between Ireland and other countries, he said we need to do it safely, adding that it could be done by pairing Ireland with other countries which also have low levels of uh, virus and tomorrow, it's tomorrow actually the Cabinet will be considering that uh, report and they're going to discuss establishing air bridges with other EU countries and actually the front page of the Irish Times today that's what they're leading with the restrictions are likely to be eased only for those arriving into Ireland from countries which has brought the coronavirus under control so we'll have to wait and see what countries uh, that would actually be. But if you do look across other European countries, Germany is the one, I think, which is really raising alarm bells for the rest of Europe because they had lifted so many of their restrictions. They have now been forced to reimpose. Now, they're doing it localised. It's a localised lockdown. Restrictions are being brought back for 360,000 population of a city in the west of the country. And this was after a coronavirus outbreak at a meat processing plant 
bars, museums, galleries, cinemas, gyms, swimming pools, they had all reopened. They all now have to close in a place called Guthersloh uh, and they'll be closed for at least a week. They've also banned picnics and barbecues have all been banned. More than 1,550 out of a wor- workforce of 7,000 at a slaughterhouse have tested positive for coronavirus and 1,000 more workers and their families have been put into quarantine to try to halt this outbreak in Germany. But I was reading an interesting article online that the plants... Uh, owner, he's um, a billionaire. He's actually—I I won't even try and pronounce his name—but he's actually known as the Pig Baron because he's made so much money from uh, slaughterhouses. He's apologised for the outbreak, but his particular company is facing anger over alleged exploitation of many Eastern European migrants who work in the plant, but they also live in very crowded lodgings. And they reckon that's one of the reasons that this outbreak—you know—out of seven thousand people, for one thousand five hundred and fifty to be confirmed positive, that's really. really that's a massive cluster of people but it just shows how easy you can come out of lockdown think everything is going fine and suddenly lockdown restrictions are back in place and I think as we are coming out of our lockdown nobody wants to go back to the scenario where we would be faced with that again and I know the government have always sort of said once we come out of lockdown if there were outbreaks, we'd, we wouldn't go back to the way we were. We'd certainly do it localised. We could have regional areas, like, for example, if there was bad outbreaks in, in Cork, the in, entire Cork region would be locked down. But nobody wants that. We certainly don't want to go back to that. And then across the water in the UK, their two metre rule for social distancing has been scrapped um, after Boris Johnson admitted it was making life impossible for large parts of the uh, economy. He's announced that the two metre restriction goes to one metre from the 4th of July and obviously businesses across the UK have very much welcomed that but that's something now that's certainly going to be referenced by pub and restaurant owners and other businesses I imagine in this country as well but again let's wait and see what happens in the United Kingdom with them reducing from two metres to one metre. Hi Patricia do you know when the local property tax has been taken from the uh, accounts it was due to be taken on the 21st of March and that's the date if you opt for a single direct debit uh, and then because of COVID-19 and they were aware revenue were aware so many people were out of work they uh, deferred the payment the payment now is going to be on the 21st of July so you have another month 21st of July is when the single debit payment will be made for those who opt for that on your local property uh, tax and thank you to lots of people saying the sun is shining in Alihi's on the Beira Peninsula what a beautiful place to be when the sun is uh, shining and on the bird issue that Mara had this chaffinch that is tapping on well started banging on the window first and I was sitting on the windowsill singing all the time tweeting like mad and today has arrived with a friend and she's done everything like putting newspaper up and putting plastic up trying to stop his reflection thinking that's what it is tell Mara says this listener that the birds love music and so that won't stop them the opera music that she tried to play they're looking for food tell her to put out food and that will work but my fear there is if you put out food does that mean that they'll stay they'll come back even more I wonder Uh, anyway anyway, food that's a suggestion 
Aidan Dunmanway says the lady with the chaffinch problem tell her to play We Daniel O'Donnell's music that's enough to scare off uh, anything ah Ed we are big fans of Daniel O'Donnell leave Daniel alone I think Daniel will probably encourage more birds to arrive and here is uh, here's the solution we had a similar problem says this listener a few weeks ago nearly lost the will to live with the bird tweeting constantly we tried everything finally hanging a blank CD on a string on the inside of the window it worked like magic and I've heard of that before I I think it's to do with the CD spinning and the reflection is it off the sunlight and you put it on the inside of the window so just get a CD out of a box put a string through it hang it out and have it hanging down inside in the window and see how that works. Thank you for that. Some solutions there and hopefully Mara and her husband can life can return to normality and the Chaffinch and his buddy who arrived this morning will leave them alone. 1850 333 Driver Theory Test Centres are working through a backlog of some four and a half thousand applicants here in Cork alone after reopening for business following COVID-19 restrictions. To talk about what can be done to speed up the process, I'm joined by Labour Party uh, Dáil Deputy Sean Sherlock. Good morning to you, Sean. Good morning, Patricia. Now, am I right in saying this backlog is mainly made up of young people trying to get their first learner permit? Effectively, uh, there are uh, approximately 27,500 learner drivers awaiting the driver test, if you will, and there's about 30,000 then waiting to sit the driver theory test, and there's about 4,500, as you stated, there in, in the county of Cork alone. And what we don't have at the moment is clarity from the RSA or from the Minister in respect of the resumption of the testing. That's the the non-theory part, you know, the actual road test itself, if you will. And we still don't have clarity in respect of, for instance, the resumption of driving lessons. Uh, And now, what we need to see is some movement there in respect of ensuring that there's a throughput because the backlog is mounting. And if you take centres like, say, Mallow, for instance, there's normally an average waiting time of about four weeks to do your test. And for instance, in Cork City, it's about 3.6 or so the average goes. But that average is going to go up considerably now because since the suspension of tests in on the 13th of March for for reasons which we all know, um, you you can you can see the backlog, you know, is growing massively at this stage. And what we don't have, and what we're calling for, is is some sort of clarity from the Minister for Transport. Because when I put questions down to him, when he kicks it back to the Road Safety Authority, you know, 
what we're not getting is a clear picture emerging of what kind of protocols, for instance, could be put in place for the resumption of the theory test and also in respect of the actual test itself. And there's no... Uh, no news coming from the department, if you will, or from the RSA as to when those tests will resume. Well, I was I was reading in the papers today that some driving tests are going to resume next Monday. They're the ones for the trucks, the buses and the motorcycles, but still no date for when the car car will come back, a car driving test uh, will come back, but they're saying phase basis in July, but that, you know, it's all very vague. That's the point here, you see. It, it is vague and the, the flip side of this is that while they're saying, yes, they are making exceptions for certain categories, such as you've outlined there, and, you know, that, for instance, uh, you know, for emergency services personnel and so on, that they were making particular provision for them as well. We haven't seen the evidence of that it, it, because we still have people contacting us who are healthcare workers who are under the age of 35, for instance, where, you you know, there's a whole cohort there who can't take up jobs and they would be classed as essential workers because they don't have certainty in respect of the resumption of, of the testing, uh, you know, uh, the, the testing of, of drivers, if you will, the on-road testing. So w- we need to see some sort of picture emerging because, look, the logic of it is is that if you can go to the cinema now and if we have clarity around with, say, hairdressing and, you know, barber shops and so on, beauty salons and so on and so forth, then what you also need is maybe to at least the conversation or some clarity for those people who who give the lessons, we'll say, for the driving instructors. Well, we've heard, when, when I mentioned yesterday that you were going to be joining me on the programme, we've been contacted by some driving in- instructors who've been told they can return to work next Monday, June the 29th. But they say, and this is one driving instructor says, uh, we cannot get any guidelines from the RS, uh, RSA as we are all self-employed. The RSA has said driver testers cannot return to work until the end of July and they will only be in the car for approximately 30 minutes. We're in a car for 60 minutes at least and we have to go ahead to return to work next Monday with no guidelines from anyone and that was signed a very worried driving instructor and we also heard from people who who are booked in for driving lessons across next week wondering what what what's to happen with social distancing do they wear masks so, you know there's no guidelines. You see, you see, and but this is the point they're saying they'll give you they'll give you guidance to say that you can return but they won't give you guidance on what the protocols within the car is or within the vehicle is. And this is where the uncertainty is. And this is where the risk element isn't being managed, if you will, because what is the duty of care of the driving instructor and what is the, you know, is there a duty of care then on the part of the person who is, you know, being instructed? And we still don't have that clarity either. We've called for that clarity. But but also as a knock-on effect of that, because even if you have protocols put in place around that, there's always this kind of kicking back to, well, the RSA kicking back to, or the department kicking back to, the, you know, the public health emergency team. But that doesn't appear to be coming. But notwithstanding all of that, even if there is a resumption of lessons, there is still no clarity around the resumption from the messages that we're getting back based on our parliamentary questions in respect of the resumption of the of actual testing. And if you have 27,000 people who are awaiting the driving test, um, you know, then it's, it's arguable that, 
you, you would probably need to set up some pop-up centres to clear that backlog, precisely for the reasons that I've outlined earlier. And, and, and when the test, when the test does resume, uh, Sean, the, the waiting times are going to be even longer to actually well, well, get a test. Well, well, this is the point, you see, because if you're at four weeks now in Mallow, for instance, you know, we don't know what the projection is. That could go up to six or seven weeks, but we don't know that for sure because what you need is a throughput. And so you need people back in for the lessons. You need a clear protocol around what, you know, what, what the role of the driving instructor is, what 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 is the, the situation, for instance, in relation to PPE in an in-car or in-vehicle scenario. Yeah, people just, people just need, need the information. And it's kind of ironic because we're constantly being asked not to use public transport, you know, unless it's absolutely necessary. So, the, you know, there's almost, for people, particularly in rural areas, they're encouraging people to use your cars, don't use uh, public transport. And yes, we've got, yet we have people who can't either get their full full licence or can't even get their, their lear- learner permit. Okay. It comes down to the, the fact that there are like 17,000 applicants who are under the age of 35. Yeah. I think that's a considerable tranche of people. And that they're the very people who, you know, particularly for healthcare workers, who, who apprentices and so on, who who will need to be able to drive to work. You know, yeah, the whole cohort of It needs, to get, it needs to get suited. It needs to get sorted out uh, sooner rather than later. OK, we'll keep a close eye on it. We, that we are being told from the RSA that they expect to start back on a phase basis in July, but we don't know if that's the beginning, the middle or the end uh, of uh, July. Just while I have you on the line, um, Sean, have you any update on Kildowry National School and what's happening with the building works there? Well, it has come to, to our attention that there is an issue now in respect of the tendering process for the completion of the internal fit-out of the school. And I, I just want to express my solidarity with, you know, parents and, and teachers and, and, and students and, you know, the children there uh, and the school community, because I think there was a, a legitimate expectation that everybody would return to school in September. Uh, it, it, it now emerges that because of the, co- the costs of the work go over a certain uh, figure that it has to go to a public tender process, which is causing a delay. And what I'm trying to do now, uh, and I have a lot of sympathy for the school community there, is to get some clarity from uh, the Department of Education as to whether or not this could be fast-tracked in a way uh, to, to, to complete the works, have it tendered and you know completed by, by September. So, uh, look, I, I feel really sorry that this has you know emerged for uh, you know for the school community because i think parents have been have had their children at home for such a long time and they were being bused to, to mallow uh, for a good portion of l- last year uh, and you know w- we're mindful that uh, you know it puts them now in quite a stressful situation vis-a-vis september where you know they will have to put their children on buses again to go to mallow i'm i'm just hopeful that if, if we as local public representatives can work together with the, you know, the school community and try to apply pressure on the, the certainly the existing minister and whoever the incoming minister will be, if there is to be an incoming minister, to see if there's any way of fast-tracking the tendering okay. process to allow for the works to okay. be completed. And, and very finally, if the Greens vote down the programme uh, for gov- government, and that, uh, that result seems to be on a knife edge at the moment, are the Labour Party ready to talk to any other party about possibly entering government? Are you still adamant that you're going to remain in opposition? 
We haven't uh, played out that scenario yet, uh, Patricia. We haven't. I think everybody, it's a bit like Michal Martin saying yesterday on, on national media, you know, that there is no plan B. Mm. So we have to wait and see what happens uh, at the weekend. I think, and I'm putting my neck on the line here now, I think it will pass, but but we don't know that for sure. But just, I was in Dublin yesterday at the COVID committee talking about childcare and just taking soundings from people in Dublin, there is a sense that it will, will you know, get the required 66% or whatever. But if that doesn't happen, then I think every party in the Dáil will have to have, you know, internal discussions about, you know, what the future will be. Because we, we have to, we have to have a government. We can't be without a government. Okay. And when you, say, when you say you were taking soundings in Dublin, were they the Dublin Greens or were they rural Greens? They would be, uh, you'd be taking a cross party. Okay, that's okay. Be. I was just, and, yeah. Because I, I, like, I, I will be aware that there, the, the urban, the, there is an urban-rural divide, certainly, even within the Green, Green Department. Green Party themselves. Anyway, time will tell. We've got. It's a wait and see. It's it's like running the election all over again, almost. Listen, um, Sean, thank you for that, and uh, thanks for joining us on the program. Good morning to you. That is uh, Labour Doll Deputy Sean Sherlock. The Premier League is back. Don't miss our special Premier League live coverage this week. Wednesday sees the race for the top four continue with Man United and Sheffield United at six. And on Saturday, Wolves travel to Aston Villa at 12.30. That's full live Premier League match commentaries this week. Powered by TalkSport. The Premier League is back and you're going to love it. Get it on the C103 app and C103.ie. Now a day a Cork family thought might never happen has arrived with Daniel O'Sullivan from Holly Hill reaching his 10th birthday today. His mum Deirdre who uh, joined us a number of weeks ago to launch a birthday card appeal for Daniel once again uh, joins me. Good morning to you Deirdre. Good morning Patricia, how are you? Well, I'm very well. Well, What's the atmosphere like in the house this morning? Oh, it's buzzing. It's absolutely amazing. Yeah. Were you all, Were you up early? Yeah, we were up at the dawn because our local um, Nipershigs, they came up with a driveway and they had the fire brigade and the guards and stuff. So they arrived about half nine. So we were up early to get prepared for that. Now, have you been, have you counted the cards so far? As of yesterday, we had 1,521 cards. And has Daniel been opening them as they arrived? Yeah, we were, at the beginning we were keeping them and like they were getting bigger and bigger and I said, oh my God, we better start opening these. So like we, it was taking us hours to open them. They arrived from everywhere. So we had them come from Australia, New Zealand, Germany, Paris, um, Boston, New York, Chicago, Florida, all over Ireland, everywhere, England, isn't, everywhere. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that yeah. And are people writing little notes on it or? Yeah, a beautiful notes of people that would have had double lung transplants or people that were waiting or just lovely little touching notes just to Daniel. Um, all the kids made their own homemade ones oh. and drew a little superhero and called Super Dan. So they were very touching cards. And, and what has it meant to Daniel, Deirdre, to be getting all these cards? He was so excited at the beginning, but like I think he's just overwhelmed now yeah, because I yeah. don't think he expected, neither of us did, to receive the amount that he has received already. And the postman already came this morning with a big, huge 
crateful. We didn't even get to look at those ones yet. <laughs> so the 1,521 doesn't include what arrived today? No, oh. no. <laughs> and there's been ones from friends and neighbours and stuff as well that came in this morning, so... We didn't get the full total yet. Yeah, because I know we had a number of listeners yesterday who were holding out because they wanted it to arrive today. So I know we, we, we were contacted by a number of people yesterday just double-checking the address and they were making sure they had it in the post by five o'clock so that it, yeah. would, it would arrive today. And I saw on the paper you had a wonderful visit from the Cork motorbike community at the weekend. Tell me about that. Um, there was 275 bikes filled our estate. It was incredible. I could never explain what it's like in a vi- like when you watch the video. It was nothing compared to actually being there and seeing them driving in one after another, beeping and just going out of their way to make Daniel's day special was unbelievable. And I believe you're a biker family, if, if yeah, I can put it that hus- way. My husband and my son they drive their bikes. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, so that we just made had us... a visit from a man from Dublin. He drove all the way down. He's a professional dirt bike rider, Stuart Edmonds. He came down especially. Daniel to give him gifts this morning as well so like people have just gone way above and beyond for him The kindness of people Deirdre it never ceases to amaze me Never the generosity has been uh, amazing I, I'm, we're still blown away the fact that people went to this extreme to send the cards from everywhere and gifts and like afternoon tea from Vienna Woods today yeah. and the Cork International Hotel Thunderland sent bunches of balloons. It's just, oh my God. Yeah, pe- people have been great. We have no words. Yeah, yeah, they have been amazing. Yeah. And if I can bring you back to when it all started and when you were thinking, well, he can't have a normal 10th birthday party because of the restrictions and, and obviously you're cocooning and, and trying to mind him. Um, so you decided on this birthday card appeal. How many cards were, were you kind of thinking you might get? I was thinking maybe 250. <laughs> <laughs> Max. Yeah, I never thought it was going to go to this extreme that it has gone. Yeah. You've, you've certainly blown that one out uh, out of the water. And health-wise, Deirdre, how is Daniel doing? He's okay. He's still, as I said, trying to improve from the surgery. So uh, we had a letter recently from Great Ormond Street just to say that there was deterioration in CT scans. So that was kind of a bit taken back. We weren't expecting that. So we just have to monitor him over the next couple of months and get a few more tests done and just make sure how the lungs are coping since okay. the surgery. Yeah. And and he's still, he, I mean, he will eventually go on a double transplant list. He's not on that yet. No, he will no. eventually go on. It's just a matter of fact of when of to make the right decision to do it. Okay. You know, we want to try and get the maximum out of these lungs because it is very hard to get paediatric lungs. Yeah. So yeah. if we could just get him that bit taller, he could get a small adult set of lungs, which would be better for him. And is he good in himself, if you know what I mean, is he? He looks brilliant. Does he looks a picture of health. He's happy. He's just, everything is just, unfortunately, everything is in the lungs. Yeah. Okay, so you're going for afternoon tea today to Vienna Woods? No, they're bringing it out to our oh, house. Oh, everything, they're delivering it to our home. Yeah, even more home. special, isn't that brilliant? Yeah. I tell you, to even have thought of that is, is fantastic. So what you thought wasn't going to be a special day, uh, Deirdre, because of this pandemic has sounded like it's turned into an incredible day. It's after turning into an incredible day. I don't think I could ever top this birthday, ever. <laughs> no matter how much I try, I don't think we could ever outdo what's after happening. 
The countdown begins for the 21st, you know that, Julia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Listen, you've, you've been fantastic to always been available to you and we've really enjoyed uh, chatting with you. Uh, congratulations to you because if it wasn't for you, this never would have kicked off. But, uh, but a huge, huge happy birthday to Daniela and enjoy your day. Thanks, Patricia. Can I just mention one more thing? Um, due to the amount of cards Daniela has received and um, everything that has gone on, a local girl by me, Kayleigh Lawless, has set up a Facebook page called the Superhero Card Appeal for any other kind of sick child out there or any child that has autism that wouldn't be able to have a party or were afraid to have a party, that this Facebook page is available for people to put their addresses into it huh. and they can get cards sent out then. So what's, I'd like to just give what, that a mention. What, what's the name of it again? The Superhero Card Appeal. The Superhero Card Appeal. Okay, we'll keep yeah. a look out for that. That's a, what a lovely, yeah. lovely idea. Well done. Okay, go, go away and enjoy your day, Deirdre, and thanks a million for talking to us. Thank you, Patricia. God Thank bless. Bye-bye, bye-bye. The lovely Deirdre O'Sullivan, mum of Daniel. Once again, happy birthday, Daniel. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Hello from Castleton Roach, says Helen Healy. Fab here, sunshine all morning, enjoying your programme. Thank you uh, for that, Helen. And I can tell you, I can see blue <laughs> behind the clouds, blue skies, desperately trying to peep through. So the, the awful clouds that have been hanging over us all morning, they're pushing away, they're pushing away. By the time the programme's finished, the sun will be splitting the rocks. I just can feel it in my bones. But thank you and good to hear that uh, there's lots of areas. And Fomoy, somebody said, sun shining in Fomoy as, as well. And we've had kind of a long enough spell now of miserable old damp weather we've had we've had enough of it the gardens are wet enough so bring us back our sunshine please and I was thrilled to see this thank you for that text Alan. I was thrilled to see this text come in from the, from the it reads this is the lady who contacted you last week who said she doesn't want visitors remember that we were contacted by a lady who was saying has actually I wouldn't I don't, I don't know if you'd say she enjoyed lockdown but she was getting on okay in lockdown herself she has her husband for company happy with her husband's company in her own company but she'd been a very sociable type person loved people to call to the house come one come all kettle was always on kind of thing and now suddenly after the three months of lockdown she's enjoying this quiet time and kind of a reflective time and suddenly doesn't want people calling anymore and doesn't want to be going anywhere herself and actually somebody had contacted her to say they were going to call and she told a little white lie to stop the person uh, coming and you know she was just saying was wondering was she the only one feeling the same way and we read out the text and I have to say uh, we got a lot of people saying no that they're feeling the very same way very happy to stay cocooned even though not everyone likes the word cocooned but very happy to stay isolated and didn't want uh, people calling but I had said, look, there's a big, beautiful world out there. And if you're comfortable doing what you're doing now, that that's fine. But, you know, one day, please, God, you'll get that, that that wonderful social person that you were will burst out through you and come one, come all. You'll have them all back in the house again. Anyway, that lady's back on saying, saying, I uh, still don't want visitors, by the way. That still remains the same. But she said, that's OK. I did go for a little walk and she said it was great. I went at 7 a.m. in the morning and I now have tears in my eyes, but they're good tears. Little Daniel and he afternoon tea that's going to be delivered to the house by the Vienna Woods that we spoke about with his mum Deirdre in the last hour. What a lovely wonderful idea says this text or I did send a card and a little gift all down to you Patricia and his wonderful family oh God we did nothing only gave, gave Deirdre the opportunity to tell the story but thank you thank you you're, you're another one of the wonderful kind people who heard Daniel's story and wanted to do something to make this little special 10 year old to make his day even more special so uh, well well done and continued good health to you and and I do hope that you will get back to that 
sociable person that you will look forward to the day when you'll be welcoming visitors and that you'll be able to go and visit other people as well but good to know that you went out for a walk and you've probably been sensible going out early in the morning I mean you're looking after your health as well because let's all you know draw breath here and remember the virus has not gone away we might be coming out of lockdown we might be lifting the restrictions but certainly the virus has not uh, disappeared and we've had some people actually commenting on uh, that let me go to those um, uh, texts first Michael says Hi Patricia do people realise how extremely contagious COVID-19 is the only answer we have at the moment is to reduce the spread of the infection and that is how we can extinguish it as we don't have a vaccine yet and won't perhaps have one until mid-2022, if then. Uh, Our only way to control it is by testing, by wearing face masks, by physical distancing, you know, the bread and butter stuff, it all really works. I ask, do people understand the health consequences that the people who got over COVID-19 suffer afterwards, i.e. some are left with lung, kidney, liver, heart problems, some have even ended up with strokes. Seriously, some people should get a grip now before it is is too late thanking you and that is from Michael while someone else says Patricia people are going off on holiday and returning through the UK in transit to Belfast to avoid having to quarantine on the return into into Ireland can't believe that anyone would be so selfish to risk reintroducing the virus back into our country yeah, and we'll always have really stupid, stupid people, unfortunately. And Mary says, hi, Patricia, with regards to uh, new COVID outbreaks, I read that there were three new clusters of COVID-19 in northern Spain causing a lockdown in those areas. Then there, that's an area that's just come out of lockdown. It's so difficult to stop this nasty, nasty virus. Stay well. That's all we can all do is look after ourselves and look after our own loved ones and uh, hope that we all manage to keep COVID-19 away from, from our doors. And Margaret says, Hi Patricia, in relation to the double payment for social welfare that you mentioned in the last hour, because people were asking when were they going to go back to weekly payments? We checked it out and it is still there. They'll, they're keeping it under review, but given the need to social distancing, there's no talk of them returning to a weekly payment, so it's, it's still bi-monthly. Uh, Margaret says, I think it should change back to weekly. It's actually creating more of a risk as people are often only coming out now once a fortnight to do their bits and pieces when they get their money. So they have more to do when they do go out and some post offices are actually on reduced hours and there's no, now there's more bunching up of people and now that the elderly have started to go out again and collect their own pensions, they surely are putting themselves at risk. I think it's creating a much bigger risk. Also people have more cash on them which obviously is also quite a risk. Sorry to be so long winded but I've seen very, very long queues in my own post office, says Margaret which I, I, I think you are making a very interesting point and, and a problem that wasn't there at the start because at the start when they went from weekly payments to two weekly payments that was when we had full lockdown and they were saying to people stay indoors but I think you're right now that people are back out I know that older people are doing all of their own bits and pieces and their own shopping and all of that. They are all heading to the post office and they're doing it now once every two weeks and if there's reduced hours. And I don't know how many post offices are on reduced hours, but if there is reduced hours, that is causing that is going to cause more of a problem uh, for sure. Uh, 1850-333-103 and there was another comment if I can find it. It is to do with 
the hairdressing. Let me find it here. Sorry, it's gone missing. I mean, it's up here. It's a, um, the, OK, this is to do with a piece that has appeared in the papers today. Morning, Patricia. More money to pay to get your hair done if you've done a home dye over the three months of lockdown. You were asking yesterday about products and items and if people notice prices going up. But I would say, says Heidi, that I've noticed one or two cent, just small amounts, going on everyday items. But if it's a full trolley that you're buying and if everything's gone up by a couple of pence it all mounts up when you go to pay pay your bill so people are right in saying yes prices have gone up but what Heidi is, re- is speaking about with relation to hair now this is only from the hairdresser Peter Marks and I know there's Peter Marks salons all over the country and I don't know if every hairdresser is going to follow suit or not but Peter Marks hairdresser is putting up prices for some customers by as much as 60 euro now that's 60 euro on top of what you would have been paying to go in for your wash, cut and blow dry, whatever it is that you're having done. And they're claiming the reason for it is, is to to pay for the fix, to fix home dye jobs and also long regrowth during lockdown. The hairdresser claim is, chain is one of many, of course, that we know are going to reopen next uh, Monday. We know there isn't a hairdresser in the country that hasn't been inundated with people looking for appointments. Some hairdressers are doing great. They're doing like longer hours. I've heard of hairdressers opening at eight in the morning. They're going to remain open until nine at night. They're staggering their workforce. So hairdressers are doing their very best to make sure that clients can get in as quickly as as possible to get whatever you need done but Peter Marks are taking it one step further and they put this up on their social media yesterday. They are talking about a colour service and a colour service that people are going to need when you return to the salon and I know I'm going to have people listening saying well sure I'd be okay if I didn't do a home die there's no fix it, they have nothing to fix but they've been very clever here in that they have come up with three different technical applications that they think their clients are going to need. The first one they're calling the colour detox and that's for the people who bought the box of hair dye inside in the chemist or the supermarket and went home and did their, or their own hair dye. They're saying that person is going to need a colour detox and you're going to get charged €60 Euro more than your normal appointment for that. Then there's a second group of people that they are calling the colour extend service. That's for the people whose hair has grown two inches or more which obviously if you've had nothing done to your hair would have grown two inches or more. So your colour is going to have to be extended for those extra two inches, which makes absolutely no sense to me at all. You're going to be charged for that between €45 and €60. They're for the people who didn't put any colour into their hair. And then there's a third group who they're saying the clients whose colour has faded since their last appointment, they're going to need what they're calling a colour restore service. And for that, you're going to be charged an extra €45 on top of what you would normally uh, pay. Now, what was interesting was that the comments section of the Peter Marks Instagram account was appeared to be disabled yesterday, according to newspaper reports today, which meant that members of the public couldn't throw in their top and save any worth and say how they feel about it, whether people were saying, yeah, that's fine. We need to get my hair done. Yeah, I accept there's probably more work to be done. I'm quite happy to pay the extra 60 euro on top. So I think that was probably quite clever of them to uh, disable the comment section. Now, as I say, that's just Peter Marks 
haven't heard that from any other hairdressing salon. I think everyone is expecting to be paying a little bit more when they go to the hairdresser because the cost of doing business for the hairdresser will will have increased with the PPE gear they have to buy and hand sanitizers and all of that. So, so everyone I think is expecting to pay more but they actually break it down where they've covered all of the angles. They've covered the people who did the fix-it jobs at home, the home hair dye, but they're also going to get extra money out of people who decided not to go with the box colour at home. They also are going to catch those people as well. So you have been warned and I suppose it's an individual choice whether you want to go to the hairdresser or not and uh, pay the extra. It will, it will be up to yourself. Now on our bird tapping on the window, I remember Mara who contacted us this morning and her husband is just going off of his rocker because it's right outside the window where the husband has set up a kind of an office and is working from home and he's tweeting all day. He's a chaffinch and he's brought a friend with him today. Jim says, tell that lady to go to a garden centre or a hardware store and get a plastic magpie and that might deter the bird from coming near the window as the chaffinch won't go near a magpie. A smaller bird will never go near a bigger bird. If you want to try that, okay, get a. And where do you say you get one of those? Uh, a plastic magpie, a, a garden centre or a hardware store, okay, a plastic magpie. And put a teddy bear or a doll inside the window facing out. It worked for me, says, and there's no name on this, says another listener. So a teddy bear or a doll inside in the window. Lots, loads of great suggestions uh, coming in. Thank you for that. And we also got a number of people commenting on the scratch cards from the listener who wrote to us because her husband for Father's Day got 30 euro worth of scratch cards last Sunday was scratching like Billio and out of all of the cards that the man received for Father's Day he only had one ticket that matched three numbers and he won for himself four euro. Out of 30 euro worth of scratch cards. Ronnie says, Ronnie can beat that. Ronnie says, my husband on Father's Day got 40 euro worth of scratch cards from the family and he won one free scratch card. Didn't win any money, one free scratch card. So that's topping the lady who wrote to us. That just is incredible. Also on scratch cards. um, Hi, Patricia. Those scratch cards are a disgrace. There's no money in them especially since uh, no money especially of late since lockdown I started buying 20 scratch cards a week I've done it for three months I've only won 23 euro says Mary in West Cork my God three months at 20 euro a week so 80 euro a month 80 160 240 euro say if you just look at it over 12 weeks, 240 euro and Mary has won 23 euro. Someone else says the lottery and the scratch cards, it's a tax on fools. So the scratch cards have gone to the dogs. I used to previously always get a few wins, a few wins when I'd buy them. But now you'd be lucky to get a small win in, in every five or six scratch cards. Uh, people certainly not happy with scratch cards. And one back on the birds. Hi, Patricia. I have a lot of birds in my garden at present. And some of them come very close to the window. And yes, they do tap away to say hello, keeping me company while I sit in my conservatory reading. It's lovely, although it doesn't bother me. I get that it can be a bit much if there's one day, one there all day long tapping on the window and tweeting, especially if you're trying to work. May I suggest toy windmills? Well, that's not a bad idea. And you could stick a toy windmill into a potted plant and have it outside the window 
blowing in the blowing in the wind. Uh, that might work as well. Good suggestion. Thank you for that. 1850-333-103. Sadie and John Paul taking your calls. Text WhatsApp 0862-103-103. C103 Jobs. Staff are wanted for immediate start for E&R Blinds Factory. They're based in McCroom. While an experienced retail assistant is required for a busy service station, it's on the Bandon Road in Bishopstown. Applicants must be flexible to work mornings and evenings. Classic windows in uh, Kilumney are looking for experienced window fitters for immediate start. And a bicycle mechanic slash sales advisor wanted for Cycle Scene Bike Shop that's on Blarney Street in Cork. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. C103 encourages you to shop local during COVID-19. Some stores can now open safely, so let's do our shopping locally. Use Facebook, Instagram and Twitter to search for hashtag shop local. And check to see what Cork businesses are now open. Check to see what Cork businesses are now open. It's a sign of the time. Get everything you need from toys to toilet roll and groceries to gardening. Support your neighbours, friends and communities and shop local. It's a sign of the time. Supported by McCarthy Insurance Group, a Cork family business looking after you in this time of need. CMIG.ie Shop local with C103. Now, this week we heard how the Taoiseach Leo Varadkar is asking the coronavirus expert group to examine the prospect of increasing the number of people permitted to attend religious services, which from next Monday, June 29th, is set at 50. So to chat what is going to mass look like uh, from next week, I'm joined by Father Tim Hazelwood of Killer and a member of the Association of Catholic Priests. Good morning to you, Father Tim. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, you're welcome to the programme. Um, is 50 an unrealistic figure especially for some very large churches I suppose firstly to say it in the grave that we're talking about going back that's the first thing I'd like to say but um, it's a fair comment because if I take it just near me here on Middleton is massive church and you're expecting 50 and you're a big town like Middleton who do you say you can go and the others can't go so it's very difficult but then on the other hand I look at it as the, the venue is indoors where we hear that that's where the highest risk is. So we have to be mindful of what we're being taught as well, I think. I think it, maybe it should be looked at. And maybe like, the rule is that the two metres of a distance and that if you can, if, if the, your church is laid out in a way that there are two metres between everybody. And that's what I think priests have done in the churches. We've done in our church. One of our churches could hold over 80 people with two metres uh, distance. And um, so refusing people, telling people they can't come in, that's going to be very difficult. Yeah, you see, I also think it it isn't one size fits all. Yes. uh, Because you will have smaller churches where even getting the 50 in might be difficult. But as you say, the larger churches certainly could fit more people. And are individual churches getting guidance on how to reopen safely? Oh my God, you're, you're, you're opening a can of worms here now. <laughs> because the reality is that in most professions, I know a few lads, no builders and stuff, they have to do a course before they re- restart it. Yeah. Now, I feel like we haven't had a course. 
we're getting document upon document upon document and uh, telling us what we should be doing. And we're supposed to appoint a COVID officer who will be untrained. Now, you read the, the documentation, but if you have a question, who, who do we go to? We've no one to go to. We, and we've asked in the association that that should be provided for parishes. You can do it online. Mm. So we're asking the diocese, would they try and put on something? And also, while we're at it, it's been left to us individually as parishes to resource all of this. I'm not saying that the diocese should pay for it. They couldn't do it. But we should have done a deal with some reputable you know, group who would provide, you know, we have nearly 200 churches. Any, any company would be delighted to get the business or potential business of all those. Instead, we all have to go around and everybody now is selling sanitizer. Everybody. Yeah. yeah. And we don't know are they're reputable, what's a fair price. And we actually have enough to be doing. Whereas if you went and did a bulk order, you'd uh, get it cheaper as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, businesses that are opening up again, there's, you know, the government are giving these grants for businesses that are reopening to cover costs of going back to business, things like hand sanitizers. You know, and, and I'm not I'm not saying, you know, opening up for masks is a business, but, you know, in a way, you should be viewed in that way, that there should be some kind of grant aid to help you kickstart. It would be, it would be good because uh, as from, since this started, like revenue for the churches is, and compared to people's health, that's a small thing. But some parishes now would have taken on building projects and they have repayments. And, like, it's, it's difficult. But we'll see, you know, thank God that we have been very lucky. Down here, there's been very few cases. Yeah, so yeah. That's, that's the number one priority. But it, it's a challenge. And another challenge that's, that's there for parishes, and I, 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 your listeners now it might be able to help here, there are some parishes where they don't have a pastoral council. Where, they do, where a priest doesn't have help. And the amount of, of work that has to be done, even forms, you know, that have to be filled in, we have to look for volunteers to steward. They all have to be gathered. They, said they also have to sign a form, a COVID form, we'll call it, accepting the risk and accepting that, you know, that, um, that they haven't got the virus and all this kind of stuff. And for an individual priest, it can be overwhelming. So yeah, and are you, when, when you say, you know, you've looked at your own church, were you out with a tape measure? Yes. I got, uh, there's a lad here in the pastoral council, he's a builder, and we have, we have, every second seat is closed, and we have signs up saying that you can't go in, and, um, and then we have a mark on each seat where people could sit. And you to do all that yourselves? We did it ourselves. Yeah. And if... And, and I can see questions already coming in, including one from Tom saying, I'm a mass goer. How will a priest know how many people are in the church? Are you telling me if there's 50 in the church and another fellow walks in, the priest is going to say, you can't come in, there's 50 in the church? Well, I doubt it. I don't think that will happen. But um, in some parishes, I know they have, they have you book online or you, you get a ticket or something or you come to the parish office and that's it. Now, we are lucky again in that we have a speaker outside the church in both our churches and if the weather is permitting, that if people, if there's an overflow, people could. But that's no way of attending mass. It's it's dreadful, uh, you know. It's it's. But it's it's just challenge. It's the reality. It's like we got used to going shopping in a different way. We got used to doing it, and we're, we're queuing outside supermarkets. And right. every time I queue outside a supermarket, I end up turning around to the person behind me, saying, "Did we ever think we'd see <laughs> ourselves queuing outside a supermarket?" The other thing we're asking, and I think, would be very important because, from what I've read and what I hear, 
indoors is the most. And one yeah. of the things we have to do as well, we have to clean, deep clean after each of the masses. So an hour after the mass, a, a group, uh, of volunteers again, will have to come in and and with the, with proper sanitising stuff, clean um, clean the seats. Yeah, this is more now than polishing the pews. This is oh, actually, this is a lot more. Yeah, yeah. It'll have to. It has to be you know, parasone with water and stuff like that that kill would kill the virus. Uh, and the other thing we're asking that people would wear a mask at mass. I will be wearing a visor. We give our community. We're wearing a visor, and I know I'm aware that pe- some people are. Uh, find the mask sort of claustrophobic and we, we are also keeping a few seats near the back for people. Some people find it hard to go up to the top of the church, you know, so mm. that just to be sensitive, not to exclude people, it would, which I, is not what we want. And I, I, you're, you're the men who, who rang in, I, and I'd, I'd, I'd ask people just to, to be patient with us because we've never done this before I know, and I don't think I know. it's anyone's intention. And we're very careful with our uh, stewards. We have to train the stewards that they are kind to people, you know, that, that not forcing them. We have a one-way system and people will go the wrong way. Yeah, they will. They will until they get used to it. And the supermarket, they go the wrong way. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You know. you know, when you talk about some people can't wear the face mask, yeah. some people feel, I, I know we had a woman only last week who said it brings on panic attacks. She just feels she can't breathe. Uh, and then we've had, heard from people with asthma and they literally mm-hmm. can't have. Those people could get one of the visors. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, they're, they're much more... I, I don't like the, the mask. I wear it in the shops, but my glasses fog up. Yeah, yeah, lots of people <laughs> saying that. Yeah. So you'll wear a, you'll wear the visor just for giving out communion, Just is for it? giving out communion. Now, talk to me about communion because we have so many people contacting us who are worried about communion. Okay. What's the guidance on giving out Holy Communion? Now, a, a friend of mine, actually, what he's doing is that he's going... He's getting a perspex... Uh, sheet and the peop- that would be between himself and the person. But what we'll be doing as, as priests uh, is that the bowls that will be used uh, will all be cleaned before and afterwards, properly cleaned. Uh, the hosts, the priests in front of everybody will sanitize his hands before he gives out communion and he will place it on the hand of the person. There's no communion on the tongue that, you know, for obvious reasons. And um, again, sanitise afterwards. And if he does touch, then he, we'll have sanitizer there for the priest if, if anything happens like that. If there's if he contact. feels he's, if he feels he's touched the person's hand, yes. yeah, okay. Um, and you're happy enough with that, and you think that'll all work? Well, I hope so. Again, like we're having training here at the weekend now with our new groups that we've had, and if it depends on how many people, if 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 the stewarding and all that is in place, I think it would be because I've seen in shops, people have got used to it. Uh, people are aware of how serious the situation is. So I think with a bit of common sense that it will be, it will be, uh, it will be fine. I think people are so glad to be back. I think as mm-hmm. well, you know, there's a, there's um, just that feel. And there are others who won't come back for a while. And there are others who mightn't come back at all. I was reading an article lately and they were just saying that there are people who came to Mass uh, out of routine. It was a habit. Mm. The habit is broken. It's gone because I, they say a habit is four or five weeks. And then it's, yeah. And then you forget. Whereas now people haven't been coming. So we'll see. 
And then you have people who have discovered Mass online, people who had been away from the church for many, many years, that it is possible this can be a return to faith Absolutely. as well. As yeah. well, well for some. Sign of peace, is that gone? Oh, gone. 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 Uh, holy water in the, wa- in the holy water gone. fund? Gone. Okay. Gone. Uh, yeah. When does Father Tim expect First Holy Communion Masses and Confirmations to take place? Well, I'm just after sending off an email to the bishop. <laughs> <laughs> From the, our parish, just speaking to the, the children, their parents, we, our confirmation was cancelled. And they really would like if it was on in August, before they go back into secondary school, that from here now they go in every direction. And how do we gather them together again? So we've got the list of who they are. And I was just requesting that, you know, that would he consider that maybe in August, before they start secondary. Be great. And like next year, we have a double class. We have our fifth and sixth who are getting confirmation again next year, just for the workload of our, our, ourselves and the teachers and stuff. So all everybody's in favour here in this parish of doing something like it would mean, and and they were happy with that smaller group. It depends on what the government guidelines. Maybe it could be a hundred people at that stage. Would might mean it could be ten children, but we well, have a few ceremonies. Yeah. No. The bishop, the bishop wouldn't, wouldn't be able to attend them all. He wouldn't be able no, to No, and it's, 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 it goes to 100 from the 20th of July. Yes. And it, it will, well, how much of a difference that will make. Certainly for Mass it'll make a difference, but I don't know for the bigger events like schools with large confirmation classes. And what, communion, about, what about communion? Well, communion is that gone? Communion then, I think from what I hear, and I think it's probably the best thing, like the children are younger and they're smaller. I would say it will probably be September at Whereas, the end of September, okay. they'll be back in school. We get a chance to you know, do a little practices yeah, with them and yeah. get them ready and stuff. Now, they mightn't be able to fit into the dresses they bought. <laughs> that's a major issue. Yeah, OK. But, uh, but, but, but mammies will work around that one. They will work Will around. there be, says another texter, will there be altar servers and Eucharistic ministers? Now, the altar servers, we're, we're advised not at, at, at the moment. OK. Not at the moment, because usually the altar servers, they, they prepare in the sacristy and only the priest and the sacristy are allowed into the sacristy at present. Um, the, the other question then was about... Eucharistic ministers. Ministers, yes. Again, th- uh, what we are doing is that the ministers would stay on the sanctuary, that they wouldn't come in and process, that we'd have no short procession uh, just with the priest. And... There would be ministers of the Eucharist, but just like with the priest, again, the whole idea is to stop movement within the church. We have a gallery, which we, if, if we want to get the number in, we, we have to use. The Eucharistic minister would go to the gallery, there would be a steward there, and again, bring it back, sanitize, and the, the dish would be washed, the would be washed properly afterwards again. Okay, um, Joan is nervous about going. Oh yeah. no, jo- Joan, she's going to join us. Actually, she's a bit nervous, uh, and I think Joan is going to sum up what a number of people, how a number of people feel. Um, good morning to you, Joan. Good morning. Jo- you, you're a bit nervous about rushing out to mass next week, is it? To be honest, I won't be rushing out. Okay. For many weeks, because I don't think, first of all, that going to mass is a must, which we know, but um, I think it's how important living your life is and I'm quite happy to watch the one on 501 uh, RT News now online on TV um, yeah I don't do it every day but some days I watch it and I enjoy it but um, I think it would be too stressful 
if you had to comply with all these rules and no guarantee possibly that you would get into mass. Really? Yeah. I just wouldn't rush at the moment. For and were you were you somebody that went every week, Joan, before lockdown? I was, really. Yeah, I yeah. could miss a nod uh, Sunday. But, but generally speaking... I'd be in a choir and I would try and make it Yeah. every Sunday. But... Um, no, it has changed so much and I'm not blaming anybody because all the priests are doing their best to have it up and ready. But, you know, it is, it's going to be so much different. And I then could not sit in our seats because they're very um, claustrophobic. I sit at the side aisle where there's leg room. Yeah. And I'm sure I wouldn't have a choice of seats if I was going at the moment. You okay, know, some you... of them are very close together in the main aisle. And for Father Tim, what about people's obligation to go to Mass once Mass starts? Are you still covered by watching it online or on TV? Well, yeah, well, at the moment, I don't feel obliged mm. to go anymore. Okay. Let's but at the moment, uh, the Church's position is that there is no obligation. That's removed. It? Okay. Right. It's removed. I think Joan makes a very good point, And I think he's one of the things that came out of of this, people who are challenged as to how am I a Christian or a Catholic now with Mass not on. Like, sometimes we equate being a Catholic with just Mass. But like, that's the whole area of, of, of kindness, yeah. of generosity, of loving, of, be, you know, forgiving, all the other things about living it. And I think that's been a plus out of this. Yeah. And I think, like, for me, going to Mass is celebrating the fact that I'm trying to live the Christian yes. way of life. So I, I would think Joan is, is right there. And Joan, you mentioned you were a part of the church choir, is it? Yeah, I am. Yeah, because I've heard a lot about choirs, um, yeah. Father Tim. No, we're not I, going I, back. Yeah, I, I, choirs are not going back. No, sure, they're not. not no. For no. For the foreseeable future, um, Father Boyle contacted Deirdre, our choir mistress, and Aileen Howard. And um, no, we got a text a few weeks ago, and I'm Say sure no. it's going to be September, it's October. And is that the Father Tim? Is that the same everywhere? No choirs. The policy it seems it? that 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 the droplets when you're singing, yeah, uh, are much greater. Like uh, that's one of the problems in the meat factories. A lot of people were shouting. They had to with the noise, and again with the choirs, you're, we're allowed maybe have someone playing music and one singer okay. alone a cantor. Okay. And like the, the funny thing is. We're always going on about getting the congregation to sing. Now we're going to ask them to shut up. I know, I know. It's it's really it's difficult. Because it's really difficult. There are okay. about 30 of us and we're in a very small gallery. We're mm. elbow to elbow. That's a, that's a strong choir. Listen, yeah. Joan, stay safe. Thank, thank you for you that. Um, and, and thanks uh, for joining us. Um, and Father Tim, more than anything, are you just looking forward to welcoming back a congregation? Oh, absolutely. I think like for a priest... Being in your parish is with the people, you know, and many of them we haven't seen. Now people are contacting all the time and little things and through just, you know, we have a few, few funerals, a few things that happened. You, there is contact, but the, there's nothing like the weekend, you know, and people coming in at mass and meeting them. And it's the point of contact uh, for the priest and the people. And... Um, and it's something special in every every parish. So we are looking forward to, to starting up again. Will there be a number of funeral masses? You know, people that weren't able to have masses. This We haven't spoken about that yet. We've had a few. And, um, well, we'll just talk to the people what... Uh, I have a feeling that what might happen there is that some people would wait till the first anniversary 
I have a feeling. Yeah. I don't know. Because they have been through such a stressful time with the funeral. To face into it again now would be very hard, I think. That maybe they might wait until the first anniversary. I don't know. But we'll wait and see. That will work out. We'll work with people. Just and you're, you're leaving that up to, to individuals. Yeah. And how, how has the whole lockdown... Um, I, I know we, we've spoken to at various stages uh, throughout... It's, it's, it's been tough on priests, hasn't it? It has, actually. Again, a coincidence that you mention it. Um, our association on our website, uh, that's where, where we communicate mostly uh, with uh, priests and members. And we're putting up uh, a few helplines for priests because like, uh, our life is very kind of insular. We're on our own, we live on our own. And a lot of lads struggle through it because the things that you that you, your routine was gone, your purpose was gone, you know, you were helpless, and just being human, I, you know, lads have felt a lot of pressure, and we're trying to, if there are lads who need a bit of help or a bit of support or guidance, that we try and get it to them and help in any way we can. So, but it has been tough on everybody, mm. you know, I, I think especially the, the, the poor over 70s, who were cocooning. Oh, my God. I, they must feel as if nobody loves them. Yeah, yeah. I was talking with my mother-in-law and she has a an elderly priest in, in her parish and, and, and in fairness, it's a rural area and uh, people were trying to check in on the man because he was there all all in, on his own in, in the parish house. You know, yeah. once upon a time there would have been many priests inside in that house but now, you know, there's only him on his own it's, it, and, it, and it is tough because I know another listener has suggested that with the limit of 50 why couldn't parishes just put on extra masses but you straight away that's impossible because you don't have the priests for the time and our average age of a priest in Ireland now is 70 now and asking them to put on more you know, we're saying that we're putting on a weekend mass at 11 o'clock on Saturday morning to give people a choice okay. but that's fine but I dropped a morning mass then you know um, and I'm lucky that I'm able to do that and healthy and for the, and for the moment I, w- I will do that but the reality is that there will, the future this has shown us what the future is for the diocese in that um, all the priests over 70 were cocooning so you had priests from the neighbouring parishes having to go in and do funerals so that's what's going to be the future that's mm-hmm. going to be Less priests, the priests probably with a few parishes, and um, less and churches closing. Dare I say it? Yeah. Um, even now, with, with with fifty people, some churches you couldn't get fifty into it even. That's no, no, no. Hi, Patricia. I'm in a small village in uh, West Limerick. Our priest is starting back saying mass outdoors, so the more people can attend and social distance. God, we're almost back to the day of the. The they mass, must have great weather on West Limerick. Yeah, that's the only one thing. But what struck me as well is it's like we're going back to the days of the mass rock. Yes, the mass, rock, mass yeah. rock. But if you can do it outside and you get good weather, absolutely, oh, absolutely, absolutely nothing wrong with it. Uh, why can't everybody that attends mass clean the seat before they leave? It would be safer and it would help out the priest. You probably wouldn't be allowed with the rules and regulations, would no, you? And no, because we have to have a certain liquid that you use, you know, with... with um, what you call that parazone stuff in it. Yeah. Bleach. Yeah. It must be a bleach. So how can people come in with a bleach into masks? I don't think... It would be great. To, but I think if just people wore their mask, if they can, yeah, and just be careful. And yeah, that, that's, it, that's it. Someone else says, there's a good microphone. People will be able to listen from the yard of the car park. Uh, <laughs> you're putting a speaker outside, isn't well, it? Well, we have that one 
for overflow we have one at the back of the church hall um, it's there permanently Okay and see as we've spoken about an outdoor mass somebody was on to me earlier saying if we could find out if the mass is on or off at St John's well uh, Mushra in Ballinagree if anybody knows there's an annual mass right. held at this week uh, at St John's well if anybody knows if that mass is going ahead because I think some of the outdoor masses have gone ahead but not all of them Okay always a pleasure to talk to you right, uh, Father uh, Tim best of luck next thank week you. with the reopening of, of your right. church and uh, we'll talk again Keep thanks well. a million okay. bye bye stay safe bye bye that is uh, Father Tim Hazelwood of uh, Killa who is also with the Association of Catholic Priests on the reopening of churches I know they've been open for private prayer but masses can start back as and from next Monday 1850 John Paul and Sadie are taking your calls text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 We're now in phase two of the government's roadmap in easing restrictions more shops will now be able to open again. Retail outlets are reopening on the basis that the retailer can control the number of individuals that staff and customers interact with at any one time. Marts can also be opened where social distancing can be maintained. With this easing of restrictions, it's important not to become complacent. So remember, avoid shopping in groups. If using a basket or trolley, sanitize its handle. Try to use your non-dominant hand to pick up goods and continue to practice social distancing and good hand hygiene. We're together. Stay safe and stay up to date with all COVID-19 information at c103.ie. For C103 photos and more, follow us on Instagram at c103cork. Thank you to people contacting me to say that St. John's Wells Mass uh, to be held in Mushra is due to, it was actually tonight it's due to, was due to be held, it's cancelled and uh, they don't have a, a new date, it's just we were told it's been cancelled until further notice that's the Mass at St. John's Well uh, in Mushra off for tonight. 1850-333-103 Keep your gardening questions coming please, Peter Dowdle, the Irish Gardener will be joining us after half past 12, you can text her WhatsApp 0862-103-103 We'll talk gardening in the next hour, we'll also talk about a new online service called PE at Home. Hello, this is Eric Griffin. Join me Monday to Friday between 7 and 8 for some great songs on C103 Anthems. And then... Hello, this is Declan Nerny here. Hello, this is Sean Keane. Hello, this is Cathy Durkin. Hi, this is Louise Morrissey. Hi, this is Mick Flavin. Hello, this is Daniel O'Donnell here and you're listening to Country and Irish with Eric Griffin on C103. Don't miss Anthems at 7 and the very best of Country and Irish from 8. Right here on C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. I just heard on our death notice and actually read about it online uh, yesterday and I was really, really saddened to hear of the death of Hannah Sheehan from Mallow. Hannah was so well known for her role with uh, Mallow and Charleville Red Cross and actually I saw the Irish Red Cross in Mallow. Uh, they posted up a lovely piece about Hannah yesterday. She was affectionately and simply known to everyone as Ma and she passed to her eternal reward uh, early yesterday. May she rest in peace. Um, Hannah devoted over seven decades of her life to Mallow Red Cross. She served in numerous roles, functions and honorary positions at local area and national levels within the Irish Red Cross organisation. And she epitomised the the true ethos of being a Red Cross volunteer through her lifetime of charitable works and empathy to those uh, in their times of most need. She lived for her family 
friends and the Red Cross. And they said in the piece that it's truly an end of an era for everybody involved in uh, Mallow Red uh, Cross. And she was just such a lovely, lovely lady. And I interviewed her on many, many occasions uh, over uh, the years. So may she rest in peace, uh, the late um, Hannah Sheehan. And we extend our deepest, deepest sympathies to all of her family and to all of her extended family in the Mallow Red uh, Cross because they certainly were all uh, a family. May Hannah uh, rest in peace. 1850-333-103. Tom was on saying that if they decide to open the airports next week and we know the Cabinet is meeting tomorrow and they're looking at a report that's gone in that the Aviation Authority has been involved in, the Airport Authority at Dublin and Cork have been involved in and they're all pushing for restrictions to be eased at airports. They want the two metre brought back to one metre and they also want the quarantine, you know, the, the two week isolation, self-isolation. They want that uh, removed and saying that the, if you want to kickstart the industry and we need to, because parts of Europe are now opening up, we're going to be left behind if we don't open up in this country. So there's a big, big push going to come on the Cabinet to reopen and to ease the restrictions around air travel and travel by ferries. Well, Tom feels if we open the airports next week, the virus will come flying back in. If that's the case, he said, why not just open back up the pubs, throw open everything, let everybody go out and about and see their families because there's no point us living by rules and regulations if we're going to allow uh, everybody into the country without checks. That's from uh, Tom. Joe is worried about face masks. Good afternoon to you. Joe. Good afternoon, Patricia. You're, How are you? I'm very well. You're in the city and you were you've been out this morning and you what you've observed lack of face masks. Is yeah, it? I'm sitting yeah, I'm sitting in the car here. My wife is shopping and I'm just sitting here and I'm watching I'm here for nearly an hour and I'll see about one in thirty is wearing face masks at the moment. I just can't understand this because this is this is a terrible virus and everybody is just and I, I've been noticing it now all over for the last couple of weeks. I saw our, a survey yesterday. They say there's a slight increase week on week of people wearing face masks, but it still isn't anywhere up where the powers that be want us. You know, yeah. NEFET want us. OK, does it go back to the fact, Joe, that it's not compulsory? It's Probably is, yeah. Probably is. Now, my wife, she goes out shopping and she's very good. She wears it everywhere. And I've lots of people now in shops that was down at Dunn just waiting for, and lots of people down there now are wearing it. But here now in South Terrace, I know it's not compulsory, but God, people should think, you know, this is a horrible. I was listening to you this morning, this is a horrible virus, and I hope to God none of us ever get it. But we'll try and stop it if we can, you know, and that's the only way. Yeah, we because, can. because even though we're, we're lifting restrictions, this virus has not gone away. God, no. Sure, it's back in Germany again. Yeah. It's back all over. I think they're expecting a second phase in England again. So, honest yeah. to God, I, I, uh, I, I'm just thinking of the great nurses. I have a daughter nurse myself. And I'm thinking of them all, how hard they work. And please, everybody's listening, please wear a mask and try and stop this. Okay. All right, Joe. Listen, thank you for that. And hopefully people will, will hear you today. Thanks. And you mind yourself. Well, indeed, and I listen to you every morning, let's see. You're very kind. You're very I kind. Love your Thanks a million. Take care. Bye bye. Uh, 1850 We've had some people on who are wondering about people who are entitled to and are coming of age for free travel passes. 
and they can't get you know the public services card because your photograph is on the public services card and they're having problems and wondering what are they to do and others have gone out of date and it's called the safe registration process whereby you have to go into a Department of Social Welfare office to get your photograph taken because these cards come with your picture on it and it's to authenticate the person's identity so like I can't go and get your card or you can't go and get my card you have to turn up in person it's a face to face process it's introduced a couple of years ago with the public services card and obviously since the outbreak of COVID-19 the department suspended or postponed the safe registration process and uh, the department is moving towards they tell us a resumption of the registration process whereby you'll be able to go in and get your photograph taken and again it's a little bit like when we talked about the driving tests earlier they're going to do it in the coming weeks on a phased basis and it'll be done in accordance with the relevant HSE and the government guidelines uh, on the health and safety of the department's customers and uh, the staff. But it has been noted that the National Transport Authority have confirmed that anyone that has an expired free travel public services card don't be panicking, don't be worried. Your card will still be accepted on public transport for the time being. And we'll keep a close eye on that. And as I say, they are waiting for it uh, and they will bring it back in on a phased basis, similar as I say to the car test, because lots of people are saying, when is the car test going to re- be resumed? The date has still not been finalised. RSA are saying expected to start back on a phase basis in July but I don't know do they mean when we go to phase four on the 20th of July or do they mean the start of July because the start of July is the 1st of July only only next week anyway uh, we've got to wait for that they are targeting the the test for trucks buses and motorcycles they are resuming from next week but we still don't have a firm date on the actual driving uh, test and something that I mentioned when I was speaking with Deputy Sean Sherlock earlier this morning and this has come from some of the driving instructors and they are a little bit annoyed and concerned because the RSA have told them that a driving instructor will now when they do resume driving tests will no longer be allowed to use the waiting room or will no longer be allowed to use the toilet facilities at the test centre. I think the driving instructors would get over not being allowed into the waiting room. They're obviously keeping people out outside for obvious reasons. It'll they wanted to do as much cleaning if they don't have groups of people in the inside and their side. I don't think the driving instructor will mind remaining outside. But the fact that if the structure instructor needs to spend a penny, they're not allowed to use the toilets. And some of those test centres are outside of towns. You know, they're in the on the outskirts. It's not even that they're near. You know, a, a coffee shop. They can go have a cup of coffee and and go to the toilets. So that's going to certainly cause problems for the driving instructors. Uh, when we go back to uh, test uh, testing. Uh, 1850 Patricia just to let you know the sky is blue and the sun is shining in Balance Spittle thank you for that okay keep your gardening questions coming for Peter because he'll join us after half past uh, 12 we were talking about returning to mass in the last hour Texter says I can't see what all the fuss is about when little ones will make their first Holy Communion because we know if the first Holy Communion uh, didn't go ahead for in May of this year anyway this sister says First Holy Communion, the day out is only a show for most parents, according to this texter. I was speaking to a very good teacher last year and I actually complimented her on how well she had prepared her class of 24 students for their First Holy Communion Mass. And she said afterwards that she knows for a fact that only seven of them will ever go on 
to going to mass on a weekly uh, basis which I thought was a complete shame I actually felt sorry for her as I do for the children and for the school all the work that goes into it and yet it's just for a big day out for the uh, family Hi Trish uh, we lived in the Birmingham district in Birmingham Diocese in England a few years ago. It extends from Staffordshire in the north to Oxford in the south. As it's a Protestant country, Catholic churches were five or six miles apart and I can see that happening here too as the number of Catholics in Ireland are getting smaller and smaller all the time. It really is a a pity. And Patricia, if churches have to be cleaned with bleach as Father Tim outlined one hour after the congregation leave how on earth are the Department of Education saying school staff must clean their own rooms etc next week for summer provision for some of our most vulnerable children and no extra funding at all next year for any school to up the ante for regular cleaning never mind deep cleaning and that comes in from the parent of a special needs uh, child and uh, I'm, I'm I, I absolutely accept your, your what you're saying about the cleaning. It's going to be a huge cost uh, to schools. And I thought there was some kind of a budget for additional cleaning and PPE gear and hand sanitizers and all of that. Can I say if your child is going a lot, going ahead with July education in school, well done, because there's many, many children are not getting any July education uh, this year. So if your child is, say uh, your child is, is one of the very, very fortunate. And just a final one on scratch cards. <laughs> I love this. Somebody, you know, we were talking about scratch cards and people got scratch cards for Father's Day and there, there wasn't a lot of money won on them and that led to other people saying they're gone to pot nobody seems to be winning on the scratch cards uh, anymore a text in saying ah lads stop on scratch cards do you want a scratch card story well there's five of us kids in the family we all bought daddy 20 euro each worth of scratch cards for Father's Day now that's a total of 80 euro was spent on the scratch cards wait for this out of 80 euro guess how much he won 13 euro shame on the lotto scratch card company never again that was a waste of good earned money the C103 Cork Diary with Cork County Council supporting businesses supporting communities serving Cork visit corkcoco.ie the Hope Foundation Teddy Bears Picnic is going to take place at Crosshaven House in Crosshaven next Sunday between half past two and half past four go along in fancy dress with your teddy bear for a lovely afternoon with puppets dancing and storytelling all done under social distancing guidelines there will be prizes for the most imaginative and funny fancy dress and bear and teddy tickets 30 euro per car and it's based on a group of four and it can be booked by phoning the Hope Office Cork on 021 429 2990 or you can book online hopeshop.ie forward slash teddy and a, remi- a reminder that the blood transfusion service have a donor clinics by appointment only this week at Mallow GAA complex to book an appointment to donate blood 021 4807491 and Focus Ireland are inviting people to participate in a Show Your Colours campaign which is taking place from the 3rd through to the 5th of July you are encouraged to bring some colour back into your community with flags buntings t-shirts and support Focus Ireland send your photos to events at focusireland.ie Now with children at risk of continuing to miss out on physical exercise even when schools reopen researchers at Dublin City University have launched PE at Home To find out more I'm joined by Dr Maura Coulter of DCU Institute of Education Good morning to you Maura 
morning, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well and you're welcome to the programme. Now, with schools closed, do you fear that some children will lose some of their physical education skills due to lockdown and the restrictions that have been put in place? Well, that was our fear. Sarah Jane and I were both mummies. We both have children in primary school and we're both teachers uh, of physical education as well. So we're kind of, we were aware that lots of information were being sent out by teachers to the children as part of the homeschooling. But a lot of it was around physical activity and fitness and exercise, but not really around the education component. So we just felt there was a need and we were asked by one particular school if we could help and provide some resources for the teachers because there aren't any resources out there in that education context for teachers to use in, in Ireland, featuring Irish kids and Irish teachers you know, that the children can affiliate with a little bit easier. So I suppose that's how it came about. And um, so it's, it's taking, making sure that they have that education component uh, us, in their yeah. schooling. Yeah. And, and how important is physical education to primary school children? Well, that, the age is really crucial, that four to nine. That's when they develop their basic movement skills. And in primary school, in PE, they will be taught um, just the basics, running, jumping, skipping, kicking, catching, throwing, all those basic skills form part of the primary school PE curriculum. And those really are the building blocks then to kind of encourage children to go forward and take part in physical activity, to join the local clubs, whether it's the gymnastics club, the swimming club or the GA club. So they would learn the basics in school and that's really, really important so they can continue to have a healthy, uh, take part and have a healthy lifestyle and take part in physical activity outside of school. And they are learned skills. I mean, it seems crazy to think that you'd have to, you'd have to teach somebody to throw a ball, catch a ball, to jump, to skip. Exactly. And, you know, that's one of the positives that's coming out of lockdown is that the number of parents who are engaging with their children in their schooling and even in physical activity, activity we're hearing about them all out cycling, walking, going to the park and kicking. And you can even see on social media parents saying, I've had so much time with my child to see them develop, um, you know, when I'm not at work or I'm not having to travel for work or whatever it might be. So it's really, really good that parents can now engage with their children in this environment and work with the children to educate them physically, which I think is actually a positive, maybe, if yeah, you like, yeah. out of lockdown. Yeah, we're always trying to find the positives. Yeah. And Do you know yourself, children just love to play, and this is seen as play for them. Yeah. And the parents are playing, Mommy, can you come and play with me? Daddy, yeah. will you play with me? Yeah. So from that perspective, it gives the parents a focus on when they're playing with their children, things that they can look out for, things they can give the children feedback on and help their children progress and develop. Well done, well done. Do you worry that PE classes may not go ahead when schools reopen in September? Is that a concern? It's the the six million dollar question across the world, we believe at the minute, um, in that for social distancing, where they're trying, there's no guidelines out of the minute, there's no definites, but um, all the talk about children going back to school and keeping social distancing. So there are lots of activities you can do in PE and we're working towards guidelines on that where teachers will be able to teach PE within a social distancing framework. But then it comes down to maybe the hygiene around equipment and and, um, things that the children may use. So that's really where um, we would be concerned. Or we've read in the Irish Times last week that repurposing of sports halls because Irish classrooms are so small. That's that's the big issue if the hall is gone. And I mean, we know Irish weather. It's great to think we could all go out in the yard and do it, but it's, it's not always the case. So that's why we kind of feel that even though these lessons were produced for lockdown, they may have a purpose going forward if, for whatever reason, the guidelines... Um, advise that PE may not be possible or rooms are repurposed for whatever reason, that look, this resource is there 
and it gives teachers an opportunity to set them as homework or it gives parents an opportunity to use them in the evenings or the weekends if they wish to as well. Okay, so tell me a little bit more about PE at home and where people, what people can expect by logging on. Okay, so it started off, as I say, with uh, myself and my colleague Sarah Jane in DCU. And then we are working now in collaboration with the PDST, the Professional Development Service for Teachers. And they host um, all of their resources to support teachers on skullnet.ie, S-C-O-I-L-N-E-T dot I-E. So there's over 40 now of the lessons, the PE at home lessons up there covering athletics, gymnastics, outdoor and adventure activities and games. So there's quite a broad range, which is important for children as well. It's not just all one particular area. And they're on the skullnet.ie website hosted by the PDST. And we're lucky to be supported as well by the Irish Heart Foundation. So there'll be links provided there as well. That's great. So it can be used by both parents and teachers. That's that's yes. the, the whole aim. Because I was reading a piece from a consultant a nutritionist on the obesity epidemic amongst uh, children. And, and sadly, it's grown since uh, lockdown. Now, I know like a proportion of that will be down to poor, poor f- food choices. But exercise, Maura, plays a huge role, doesn't it? It does. Exercise plays a very large role. And I suppose that's why the PE curriculum being a very broad and balanced curriculum with a lot of variety. And as you know, it's been revamped at the minute and redesigned. But because of that variety, for some children, going down to the J-Club isn't maybe for them. So the fact that there's gymnastics, athletics, outdoor and adventure activities, we would hope by children being educated across the broad variety of activities that are there, that they'll find something that they want to do and take part in and continue taking part in. So it's really about motivating and educating the children around that and around what they're like and making them be able to make an informed decision as well on what they like and continue with. So that's really, I suppose, that's a part of the education as well. It's not just around the skills, but it's informing children about the benefits of the activity that they're taking part in. And I think that's where it could do really well in the, um, the area it's been talked about at the minute that the NCC are looking at is well-being that um, physical education will come in under well-being, which is really what it's all about um, in that broader context, as you say, of nutrition and exercise and well-being and mental well-being as well. Okay, well, well done on on PE at home. We wish you success with it, uh, Maura, and thank you for joining us on the programme this morning. Not top, Patricia. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank, Thank you. you for that. Uh, that is Dr. Maura Coulter, who is with Dublin City University, the Institute of uh, Education. Uh, hi, Patricia. Missed the beginning of your show today and apologies if you answered this already. Uh, and this is a question that came in yesterday that I was too busy to get around to. A listener wants to know, is the Irish Cancer Society's charity shop opened in Mallow? I know a lot of the charity shops opened two weeks ago now certainly last week uh, a lot of them reopened and I don't know if the Irish Cancer Society's charity shop in Mallow is opened or not so can anybody tell us please if you were downtown recently or maybe even today or perhaps you work or you've been in the Irish Cancer Society's charity shop in Mallow has it reopened a listener wants to know please and on scratch cards my sister got a present of some scratch cards a few weeks ago she got a free scratch card on one she won two euro on another card and then wait for this she won 50 euro on another card she couldn't believe it she was of course extremely happy so some people do win on scratch cards thank you for that okay keep your gardening questions coming please I can see a lot of them coming in uh, for Peter 1850 333 103 or you can text or whatsapp a gardening question to 0862 103 
The Premier League is back. Don't miss our special Premier League live coverage this week. Wednesday sees the race for the top four continue with Man United and Sheffield United at six. And on Saturday, Wolves travel to Aston Villa at 12.30. That's full live Premier League match commentaries this week. Powered by TalkSport. The Premier League is back and you're going to love it. Get it on the C103 app and c103.ie. Gardening on C103 with Bandon Co-op Garden Centres in Bandon, Kinsale and Enniskeen. For top quality plants, advice and value, think Bandon Co-op Garden Centres. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science, with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Enters C103. And Peter Dowdell, the Irish gardener, joining us this afternoon. Good afternoon to you, Peter. Good afternoon, Trish. How are you? I'm very well. And uh, is the sun shining on you? The sun is shining. You know where I went this morning for a walk around, Trish? I went down to Fota, to the wildlife park. I often go to the gardens, but I went down to the wildlife park. And even though the weather was threatening, you know, we had to pre-book and everything, uh, and everything is fine. But it was gorgeous down there. It was threatening. But by the time we left, the sun was pretty much out. Yeah, so it's lovely now. I'm, I'm back in Cork now. I'm back in the city, but uh, uh, the weather is good now. Yeah, yeah and it's meant to be good for tomorrow as well. So there will be lots of people out in the garden. Let me get straight in with uh, questions. Um, Mary in Carrigaline, the strong winds that we had about two weeks ago, she said uh, we had six red robin hedging gone black. It looks like they've died. Do I dig them out or do I, or do I give them a chance and let them come back? <coughs> they got damaged in the winds. I- yeah, they may have been damaged in the wind, or it may not. It may not be the black. It might be just coincidental. The black could also be a sign of a fungal, a fungal leaf problem that that affects Photinia red robin. Um, 
So it's hard to answer that one without saying seeing it. So when it's environmental damage such as wind, um, it's it's rare it's rare that it's going to kill a plant unless it actually physically lifts it out of the ground, Trish. So uh, it's rare that wind damage would kill something. So I would err on the side of it's going to be okay, and I'd err on the side of cutting it back quite a bit. So removing any of that black growth, uh, feed it to drive on new growth, and again go for something like that nature safe liquid seaweed that'll drive on new growth, healthy new growth. Uh, and if it was just wind damage, by doing that, uh, you should see good, healthy new growth relatively quickly and and th- it should be fine. If it's the fungal infection, I'd give you the same advice, except I would then also maybe treat it with with some copper sulfate, but, uh, you know, the organic fungicide. Um, but try just cutting back and feeding it first. I'd say it should be all right. OK, stay with somebody who thinks it might be wind damage as well. A listener <laughs> says, I have a shrub in a large pot and it's named... Myrtus Luma Glan Glem Gold. That yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Glan Leem Gold. Glan yeah. Gold. I have with a few years growing in a large pot. It's been doing very well, but now the leaves all of a sudden are gone brown. Now it's not dead, but the leaves have gone brown. Could it be wind damage as we hit a lot of strong winds lately? Do you know what? It's exactly the same answer as the, the red robin. It could be wind damage, but equally it could be fungal. And if it's been growing in a pot for several years in the same position, it's unlikely, even though I know we did have strong winds, it's unlikely to just be suffering from wind damage now unless you moved the, the location of the pot, you know, because you would have had strong winds over the last six or seven years in that area as well. So it's unlikely. But if it's been in a pot for a long time, it's also very possible that it's just hungry, so it, it's got too big for the pot that it's in. Now, depending on the size that it's in, you may not want to hear that because it may need a much bigger pot. Uh, but it, it's probably the most likely scenario is that the leaves are going brown from um, from being hungry or perhaps it dried out. Now, I know it hasn't dried out in the last few days, but the, we did go through, um, as, as Irish Water would attest, we did go through quite a long period of, of dry weather. So that would have dried it out in a pot and it would obviously, like, it could kill it. Um so it could be it could be either drought damage, it could be a fungal infection, it could be wind damage. So I'd say wind is the least likely. Without seeing it, it's hard to say. What I would do is take it out of the pot that it's in, if it's practical and possible, uh, water it well, put it into either a bigger pot of the open ground and keep very well watered uh, and, and see what it does. But I think it should be okay. Hi, Peter. Question for you, please. I've planted ivy and pyracantha in a large 200-litre barrel. How high and how wide will the pyracantha grow? It's in good quality topsoil and compost mix. Also, I have 7617 tree and shrub fertiliser. Can I use this to feed them as well? Yeah, but you wouldn't need to feed them if, if, they, if they, by the sound of it, they've only, did, did they say they've only planted them in, the, in it this year? Yeah, just planted. Yeah, just planted. So no need to fertilise at all. There'll be plenty of nutrients in the soil. Um, 7617 is a high potassium one, which, you know, no need to fertilize them now anyway. So the the pyracantha, which is a lovely evergreen, quite a thorny plant, lovely white flowers in, in spring, early summer and berries then in the winter, really is gorgeous and loved by blackbirds and bees. So a good choice. Uh, and the ivy, also an important one in terms of biodiversity. So two good choices and two lovely plants. Um, to answer the question as to how big the pyracantha will grow, it, to a large degree, it's indeterminable. Even though you have a 200 litre pot, which is more than big enough, uh, it may restrict it in time from getting to its full, but probably won't even because 200 litres is, is a decent size. So you would easily expect it to get to 
seven or eight feet in height with a similar spread, certainly six feet in spread. It turns into quite a big, big plant. If you're growing it near a wall, they don't say whether they are or not, but if you're growing it near a wall, you might want to prune back the growth that's growing out from the wall. So then you'll have a, a, a larger spread. You won't be losing growth going forward. So you'll, you'll, it'll spread more if you cut it into the wall more. Hi, Peter. I have a Japanese, is it a, a Nemon? White swan. An enemy. An enemy. Sorry, white swan. Purchased it last year and I moved it this year without disturbing the roots. Now it's wilting. Did I water it too much, do you think? Unlikely that you watered it too much. You mightn't have watered it enough, even if you think you did. Uh, They don't say whether they moved it into a pot or the open ground um, or when they moved it. Now, the the problem is if you moved it when it was in leaf and when it was in full growth, you, you... even if you don't think you have, you very likely did uh, disturb the root system. But I, I would say a good drenching of water, which it's getting from nature and it's probably got from the caller, it, it should come right. It may wilt now temporarily. You may even lose some, some or all of the leaves that you can see. But I'd say if you've got as good a root system as, as possible and it's only in the ground a year, I'd say it'll come good again. Don't panic if the leaves die back. Uh, I don't think you've overwatered it. If anything, it's just suffering from the from the move. Mary says, "Question, please. Uh, can I divide clusters of bedding begonias? They are they are many years old. If so, when is the best time to divide them? If they're many years old, I would suggest they're probably tuberous begonias and not the bedding ones. So begonias come in in two different. Well, they come in many different types, but if, for the purposes of this, they come in two different types. The bedding begonias are the ones that are the fibrous rooted ones. They, they don't have any tuber. Um, if it's the tuberous ones, the, the bedding ones are treated as an annual. So they, they they go into the compost bin after a year, maybe two years. If it's something that you've had for many years, I would say it is the tuberous one. So I'm going to answer it as if it's the tuberous one. Um, and so what you do with that is when the when the foliage and the, the flowers die off towards the end of the summer, kind of August, well, later, September, October time, then you lift the tuber out of the ground and don't divide it then but store it somewhere cool and dry like you would your daffodil bulbs wrap it in a bit of paper or something like that uh, and plant it out then into pots next year kind of february march time plant it into pots to start the growth coming uh, and before just before you plant it that's when you divide it so you with a sharp knife actually is the best thing to use here uh you you might be able to identify or you should be able to identify the little growing eyes that are coming from the tuber. So provided you make sure that each division has one or more of those eyes, then each one is going to be a plant. Now, of course, when you're cutting the tuber then, Trish, um, you're, you're going to have the cut is going to be a wound. It's going to be an open wound. So that is a place, particularly as that tuber is going then into the soil, that is a place where disease can get in and fungal infections. That's the biggest risk, if you like. So I would give it a dusting with the copper sulfate, which is what I was recommending there for the red robin as as a a fungicide. Don't make a solution of it in this case. Just use the dust, the copper sulfate dust, and dust the open wound with that uh, and then plant them out next spring. And and hopefully uh, you'll you'll be successful and you'll have lots of fresh begonias next year. It should be terrific. Anna says, hi, Peter. I have a good crop of black currants and raspberries this summer. Thank God. Could Peter suggest an alternative to the traditional netting to cover them from the lovely blackbirds? As last year, I had to free some blue tits from the netting, which was very stressful for them. Also, there are raspberry bushes shooting up everywhere, like 20 plus more than this time last year. And they're still popping up in all sorts of places. Is this normal? I'm very grateful. 
well, first of all, deal with the second part, which is the easier part. Uh, yes, uh, th that is normal. That's what that's what raspberries do. They they travel by underground route and then they they come up wherever they want. So when you're cutting them back, uh, you you cut back this year's growth, which is fruited, which has gone brown, which is in the winter of the year, uh, and you'll be concentrating on the green stems for your crop next year. So ones that are growing, kind of, if you're growing them in a row, uh, then if you if you want, you can the ones that are growing up outside of that row if you like that have traveled a few feet out from the row you can actually just t lift them as new plants go straight into the ground sever them from the parent plant with a good spade uh, and then you have those new plants that can make the row longer or you, you can give them to friends or neighbors whatever you want but i wouldn't let them i wouldn't let too many shoots uh go rampant because it will weaken the plant and you you won't if you have less shoots coming from the same root system you'll get better fruit so that's the, the, the main thing um in terms of the first part of the question that's trickier to answer how to keep the birds off them and we're, we're of course i'm always on about attracting birds into the garden yeah. and then when we have them in the garden we want to keep them off the the raspberries and black currants i don't have a magic wand for that one perhaps somebody else does i'm sure it'd be, be, be delighted to ring in um I'll throw it out on Facebook on my own page, Irish Gardener, and put it up, see if anyone else has, has solutions. But really, netting is the best thing. Um, and that the is only a thing problem is for the smaller birds. It can be. Yeah. But if, I suppose the only thing I would suggest is if you suspend the netting tightly and tautly, and maybe the smaller the holes, the better. You could go with a windbreak kind of netting, but that would cut out a lot of the sunlight. That's the problem yeah. there. But if you can go with a very fine netting that isn't going to reduce light too much and make sure it's suspended tightly so that if a bird hits it, they're not getting tangled in it. Mm. That's oh. the only kind of advice that I can give. Or you can get a fruit cage. You can, If you if you Google fruit cages, you'll see things that are, are ready-made and available to buy. Okay. Uh, if anybody has a solution for Anna, let us know. Uh, and stay on berries, this time gooseberries. Our gooseberry bushes have tons of berries, says this texture, every year, but only a few dozen the last two years. What's going on there? Two Two dozen seems fine to me. <laughs> yeah, but, but in comparison to what they were normally yeah, obviously getting. Down. Yeah. yeah, I would say a good pruning. They sound like old plants, so a good pruning. Um, they don't say whether they've been pruning or not, but I would suggest if you haven't been pruning, to prune them uh, and prune out a lot of the older wood. Prune out about half of the older wood this year and then the same next year. And that should lead, obviously, to younger wood, which will be more bountiful and more productive. So that would be the first thing I would look at. The second thing, and particularly if you have been pruning, uh, I would look at maybe there is a maybe it's lacking a bit of phosphorus and potassium in the soil. So again, an organic, um, an organic liquid plant food would be the best thing to put on it. Again, your nature safe organic tomato food would be a good one. There's another one, uh, BioGold Vigor. It's called. It's another Irish product, a new one this year. Uh, that I have seen the results of the trials and I've been given a sample of it. And I know it's available in garden centres and I'm using it in some of my own this year. Uh, and wow, it, 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 looking at last year's trials and looking at my plants this year, this BioGold Vigor for edible plants looks to be absolutely fantastic. So pruning them in the first instance uh, and feeding them with something like that. Okay. Now, I think, did John Paul send you on the picture from Anne in Bantry and her roses? Okay. This he is did. Anne in Bantry sent on a lovely picture of her roses. She says, I've got this lovely rose in my garden and it's a gorgeous pink climbing rose. It's got lots and lots of lovely smelling roses. The problem is the leaves always look very bad. I have given it tomato food, I've sprayed it for green fly, etc. At this stage, there's hardly a leaf left on it. A few of the branches have died off as well. What am I doing wrong? Last year, the same thing happened, and but it did come back again. And I can see the roses are gorgeous, but it's the leaves. 
Yes. Now, John Paul did, did send it to me, but the second part of that answer was my, my constant problem. My phone was more or less dead, so I could only just about make out the picture. But it, it seems to be, uh, it, it, it looks to me to be black spotted. There's an awful lot of yellowing on the yeah, leaf. Yeah. No, 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 as I say, I couldn't make out the photograph perfectly. That's my fault. But it, it looked like yellowing in the leaf and a bit of black. That is black spot. I know black spot you, would, you wouldn't maybe associate with yellow, but the actual yellowing of the leaf is a classic symptom. So actually spraying for green fly has done nothing to help it. And I would urge people, like if you don't know what's wrong don't just go for the insecticides because they are very damaging um you're damaging the bee population you're damaging the ladybird population which you know in, it, ironically is what will eat your green fly if you did have a green fly problem so please don't just go for the nearest chemical particularly if you don't know what's 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 causing it because it's not like spraying on soap you're spraying on damaging damaging chemicals but in this instance i think a good pruning now so prune off any infected growths, prune off any stems that may look like they're dying or that have yellow leaves or anything like that. Don't leave them around the base of the plant. Don't put them in the compost bin because they'll actually just spread the problem. So throw them in your brown bin or, or just off site. Um, and then treat it with uh, with your, your copper sulfate, which I mentioned a couple of times. Copper sulfate mixed with water, make a solution, about 35 grams to one and a half liters of water. Drench your rose with that. Drench the soil around it with the copper sulfate. It works brilliantly as a preventative. So ideally put it on, or going forward now, put it on early in the year. Let's say put it on early April uh, next year. And it works very good to prevent uh, roses getting these fungal problems like black spot, uh, mildew, grey mould, a lot of these things. So now prune off the infected growth, treat it with that and give it a feed with a good rose food. Something like the Goulding's liquid rose food I find very, very good. Uh, and I think you know do all those things uh, and in years years to come put on put do them again but do them earlier in the year kind of early april and i think you should be quite successful Okay, and a listener has, has literally just sent it in, so I have time to send it on to you. A fantastic picture of her cactus. It's a two foot high cactus, looking very healthy, I have to say, but is wondering how to keep it uh, because I've never even changed the pot. It's only in a multi-purpose compost. Cactus, fairly easy to keep going. Well, if you've got it, if you've got it to two feet high and it's doing well, and I, I suspect it's been for well, she doesn't say whether she just got it as a gift or it's been with her for a number of years. No, I, I, um, I would imagine the way it's said. I've never, I've never even changed the size of the pots. Okay, so yeah, yeah, so she has it for a number it's of years. Huge. So I believe well alone. <laughs> yeah, but see, cactus, cactus don't need, don't need much in terms of soil or anything like that, and their 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 stems are modified and swollen to to uh, what am I trying to say to contain water to conserve water. Uh, and their needles are actually modified leaves so 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 that they don't lose water through transpiration. So I would say leave well alone. If you do want to repot, particularly at this stage, you might need to repot for stability as much as anything else. So I, I would just use a very, very free-draining compost. You don't need a rich compost or anything like that. You could even go 50-50 topsoil and some sand. Uh, so very, very free-draining. Um, but 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 if if the pot doesn't you know if if you don't need to replace the pot because it's if it's not falling over if it's not getting too hot top heavy then i'd leave well alone okay hi mary and douglas my apple tree ha- had black spots on them last year and i don't know if she means the apples have black spots on it the leaves this year now are looking black should i cut it down says mary and okay, douglas just, just before i answer that go back to the cactus very very briefly just if you are repotting the cactus one thing i should say if you can imagine a two-foot cactus stretch it's not going to be that easy to take it out of the pot no so wrap it kind of roll it in a, in some pliable cardboard around the cactus and then you can pull it out without without kind of killing yourself with the thorns so just be careful of that so yeah with the black spot on the tree no i wouldn't think there's any need to chop it down 
it's a very similar black spot to what I was just talking about with the roses. So again, my advice would be prune off any disease or infected growth, uh, which may be a lot of it, but don't worry about that. The, the plant will come good. It'll be next year, but it will come good. So prune off any infected growth. Um, when you're pruning it, try and make sure there's no congested branches. And this is the same for the rose. So make sure there's no crossing branches or you've no, you don't, you, the, you want particularly with an apple, what's called an open bush center so that you have all the branches going out from the main stem. So you have this obviously open center to the bush, allows good air circulation uh, and therefore it's, it's harder for fungal infections to, to get a hold. So prune off infected growth. When you're pruning, try and make sure you're creating this open bush center. Again, back to my old faithful, the copper sulfate, mix it with water, treat the apple tree, treat the soil around it and that should be okay for next year. You may have to, you will have to do it again, like with the roses uh, every April at time of bud burst when the leaves are just coming back to life in late March, early April. Hit it again with your copper sulphate then. I think it should be okay. Okay, and a final one of verburnum that's gone scraggy underneath. Should I cut it back hard? Whip it out and throw them out. <laughs> Would you? I shouldn't say that so I shouldn't say that so flippantly without seeing it. No, I'm just depending on the viburnum, I'm not a fan of all of them, but some of them can look lovely. But if it has gone straggly underneath, okay, give it a chance. Do cut it back hard, but you can't cut it all back to the straggly growth. You need to make sure you're leaving some foliage on it. So cut it back if 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 you can understand this, cut it back as hard as you can, making sure that you're leaving some foliage on it. Yeah. And then allow it to green up below those cuts then. If it does and it comes back good and bushy, well and good, if by, by after six or 12 months it's still struggling, still looking scraggly, I'd be I'd be brutal and replace it. Yeah, OK. All right, listen, enjoy the fine weather that we're expecting today and tomorrow and, and I hope it stays with us for a long time. Good God. And you, I'll, I'll talk to you next week. Thanks Chris. a million, Peter. Bye-bye. That Cheers. is uh, the Bye-bye. Irish uh, gardener, uh, Peter Dowdle. You can check him out on his. He's got some really great videos on his uh, Facebook uh, page as well. OK, that's where I park it up for today. My thanks to John Paul and to Sadie for taking your calls. Thank you to everybody who's taken time out to text the programme today. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon and we will be back with you tomorrow for Thursday's edition until then. I'm Patricia Messengers. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.